Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I recently attended a tribute to the late Stephen Sondheim. The concert received a standing ovation. It had to. That's New York law. Only one old man was unimpressed with Mr. Sondheim. He muttered, Great lyrics, lousy melodies. He was right, of course. The emperor has no pants. I love Sondheim's work. I just wish someone would set his songs to music. This is our high culture episode. Today we move past Broadway to take on opera, ballet, and the symphony. And let's start with the basic question. Why are these things still things? I get why there used to be symphony halls. Before there were records and tapes and CDs and iTunes, that was the only way to hear music. But today it's as simple as saying, Alexa, play me some Beethoven. The movie Beethoven has an IMDb rating of 5.7 out of 10. No, not the movie. Play me a Beethoven oratorio. The home stadium of the Baltimore Orioles is Oriole Park at Camden Yards. No, oratorio. Oratorio. The top result is Oreo double stuffed chocolate sandwich cookies. Family size. Three packs. Okay, stop. It's $11. Alexa, stop. My point is that new technology eliminates old technology. TV killed radio. Netflix killed Blockbuster. Amazon killed pretty much everything. And have you noticed there are no more X-rated theaters? I live in New York's theater district, which used to be New York's porn theater district. Not anymore. We've lost all those great sticky movie palaces. Places like the Pussycat, Show World, Planet Fun, Yankit Stadium, the wide world of spurts, Jizz at Lincoln Center. Gone, all gone, now that the internet puts free porn in the hands of children everywhere. So how are there still symphonies in the age of Spotify? The cost of tickets is huge, but that doesn't begin to cover their expenses. So they take money anywhere they can get it. Private donors, charitable trusts, and government grants. It's welfare for rich people. Most of all, there's corporate sponsorship. The New York Philharmonic has more advertising on it than a NASCAR driver's jacket. The walls are plastered with the names of banks, insurance companies, and Goldman Sachs. Not one of them kicked in to save our vanishing porn theaters. Not even the Chubb Group. Lately, my wife has been dragging me to the ballet, fearing that we weren't burning through money fast enough. If you've never been to the ballet, it's exactly like you think it would be. Remember making fun of it as a kid? You'd leap around like a gazelle and spin on one foot and then mince around on your tiptoes? In ballet, these are the only three moves they have, and they do them over and over and over. Of course, they leap farther, spin longer, and mince harder than you ever could. And the crowds eat it up. A ballerina will dance for five minutes and get ten minutes of applause. She'll take six curtain calls and get three bouquets of roses. She wouldn't deserve this much applause if she'd gone on stage and cured lymphoma. And it's loud clapping. You know the kind. I'm clapping this hard to show you I'm smart. 
But the podcast ain't over till the fat lady sings. And we still have to talk about... We still have to talk about opera. Will you shut up? It's not just a cliche, by the way. Opera singers can be fatter than any performer outside the world of sumo wrestling. A good-sized baritone can weigh more than an entire ballet company. Opera's been with us for a long time. How long? It was invented by Galileo's father. Not Galileo, his dad. Vincenzo Galilei set out the rules for what constituted opera 450 years ago. Even Galileo, when he listened to opera, said, Eh, it's my father's music. I don't hate opera. It's bright and colorful and huge and over the top. Rigoletto has everything. A crooked cop, a hitman, and a hunchback. And everybody winds up dead. Top that, Tarantino. And you gotta love Pagliacci. That's got the crying clown singing the immortal aria, No more Rice Krispies. Best of all, and I love this part, Pagliacci is only an hour long. The last line of the opera is, The comedy is ended. He has to say it because no one believes it. This is an opera short enough to get you out of the theater and back home in time for succession. The fact is most operas are too damn long, and I mean Zack Snyder cut too long. I attended The Marriage of Figaro, and the director of the Metropolitan Opera made an announcement at the top. You're in for a treat tonight, because this is Mozart's longest opera ever. An operatic wail went up from the audience. Many of them came in from Connecticut and New Jersey and Philadelphia. If they were paying for parking by the hour, they're looking at a bill for several thousand dollars. But most of them came in by Amtrak, and the train stopped running at 11. That means they'll have to go long before the opera's over. They came for the marriage of Figaro, but they'll be leaving during his bachelor party. They have to go when Sleeping Beauty is still sleeping and Madame Butterfly is just a caterpillar. (laughs) Hey, I got a million of them. Actually, just those three. And they sucked. Hey, Josh Perillo, producer of... What am I doing here with Mike Reese? And before we continue the show, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Noom. Noom, which I'm sure you've heard of, uh, uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations. And the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. So, you know, Noom is different because it understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't mean that it'll work for you. And that's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible, it focuses on progress and and not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. It's it's an, an adjustable, I use it actually, and it has this adjustable meter where you can you can you can make progress super fast or you can take it, you know, a little bit slower if you want to. Noom Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program and more than 60% of the of those users 
that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more, which is just, it's unheard of. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. Back to the show. My wife bought some discount opera tickets recently. They'd been marked down from sky high to merely exorbitant. Basically, they cost a leg. Still, I was excited. You see, the whole point of going to the opera is to tell people you went to the opera. Hey, what'd you do last night? I ate a sleeve of Ritz crackers and watched the bad season of Fargo. You? I went to the opera. Wow, you truly are my intellectual superior. The show was Rotolinda by George Friedrich Handel, and it was playing at the Metropolitan Opera House. This is a truly impressive place where the stage is 54 feet tall. 54 feet! Why? In case Godzilla wanted to sing Carmen? I opened my program, which began, Rotolinda is one of Handel's most successful operas in its day, as well as modern times. Liar! No one has ever heard of Rotolinda. It is in the Opera Witness Protection Program. To me, Rotolinda sounded like that cholesterol medicine I keep forgetting to take. What followed was a lengthy synopsis of the plot. It was their way of admitting, You'll never understand what you're about to see. I was handed a synopsis before David Lynch's Dune, as well as every Tom Stoppard play ever written. It's bad news when you're handed homework at the start of a show. Just as the lights went down, I saw the most alarming words in the program. Tonight's show will begin at 7.30 and end at 11.30. Four hours! An hour longer than Mozart's longest opera. There's nothing I want to do for four hours. I love sex and I love Chinese food, but I cannot enjoy either for four solid hours. Why don't they ever cut opera? They cut Shakespeare. He's supposed to be the greatest guy who ever wrote with a feather, but his plays are all five hours long. Producers routinely trim at least half of that. Characters are dropped, Subplots are axed, and no one complains because nobody notices. I recently saw a Shakespeare in the Park production of The Merry Wives of Windsor. It was only 90 minutes long, and the wives weren't even from Windsor. They were West Africans living in South Harlem. So a lot of those 90 minutes were filled with reggae songs, and jokes about smoking blunts. I don't believe either of these were included in the original text. Neither were the raccoons that kept running across stage. You never see raccoons anywhere else in Manhattan, but the Shakespeare in the Park sets are infested with them, and that is a fact. The point is, you can do anything to Shakespeare and still call it Shakespeare. A few years back, Keanu Reeves starred in a Canadian production of Hamlet. I couldn't picture him doing those lines. Life is but a tale of woe. Woe. My friend went to see the show. I asked him how Keanu handled the Shakespearean language. He replied, They cut most of the words and added a lot more sword fights. Rhoda Linda was written by a German composer living in England, now being performed for an American audience. So naturally, it was sung in Italian. The Opera House kindly provided subtitles on the back of the seat. They were on a tiny digital monitor two feet above the floor. You had a choice. Watch the show or look down at the subtitles. You couldn't do both. What's more, the words were printed in a microscopic font. 
about the size of the side effects on that cholesterol medicine I keep forgetting to take. You know you're in for fun from Rosalinda's opening aria. I am an unhappy woman. Oh, misfortune haunts me. I am an unhappy woman. Oh, misfortune, I am unhappy. One reason for her unhappiness was that the part of her husband Bertrando was written for a castrato. In Handel's time, some guy actually cut off his nuts to get in this show. Now I was willing to do the same to get out. Mind you, there was nothing wrong with the opera. The cast was good, the sets were amazing, the music was transcendent. I enjoyed the first hour, but had no appetite for three more. It's like egg salad. I enjoy an egg salad sandwich, but I don't want to eat one the size of a pool table. So at intermission, I headed for the exit. A guard stopped me. Are you leaving for the break or forever? I said, forever. This happens a lot. My wife, of course, stayed for the entire show. She loves all theater and has a fear of missing out on anything. She's always dragging me to awful plays explaining, We have to see it. It's closing soon. I try to explain, It's closing because it's bad. Good shows stay open. And recently we were walking to an off-Broadway show and she got hit by a cab. Now I am not making this up. As she lay there sprawled on the ground, her first words were, I think we can still make the show. Note to our insurance company, we did not make the show. Rodalinda finally ended. My wife got home well past midnight. That means that technically the opera stretched out over two days. I asked her what I missed. In Act 2, a horse came on stage. In Act 3, during the Duke's big number, his wig fell off. That's it. And what did I do during those three hours? I went out for pizza. I watched the entire movie Hellraiser 2. It was surprisingly good. I went out for falafel. Then I wrote this entire podcast. Since I was complaining about things being too long, I made this show extra short. You're welcome. And finally, I went out for donuts. Maybe that's why I need the cholesterol medicine. What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo, featuring Denise Reese as herself. Additional voices by Trevor Morris, Mike's funny doorman. The part of Alexa was played by Siri. Nighty night. Get some good rest. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.